Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. I'm not going to stay before you too long. Um, I've got some stuff, and I'm probably going to get myself in trouble today. So I want to uh, apologize for those that are going to be affected by this. They're not even here. They don't even know what's going to happen to them. You're going to do it to them after you leave. So I apologize to everybody. Some of you might be the person it happens to. I apologize to you right now. There's going to be some changes happening within this church after this message today, because I know it made me look and say, hmm, there's going to be some changes in my life after today. So let's pray and we'll jump right in. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to share your word, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. I pray that we will learn more about you and your heart and how we can serve you more effectively. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start by reading... um, For those of you that have, I feel like I'm back old school church right now. LZ, you messed me up. Uh, For those that had a Bibles, (laughs) turn to Matthew chapter 14. Now, I know a lot of folks got their Bible on their phone and everywhere else. That's fine. Matthew 14, I'm going to skip through some verses, but you're going to get the gist of the story. In Matthew 14, starting at verse 10, John was beheaded in the prison. And this is John the Baptist. And then we go to verse 12 through 14. It says, later John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. And as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now we're going to verse 22 through 23. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass, and Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. And immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. In this passage, I know we've, many of us have heard the story of him, him feeding the 5,000, but something that I found even more interesting is that after he fed the 5,000, he sent everybody away. Disciples, get on this boat and go across the lake. I don't even know if he told them where exactly to go across the lake. Get on this boat. And crossed the lake. And then he went to the crowd and said, you know what? It's been great. We've had a time. <laughs> we even got the word. 
You've been fed literally and spiritually. Go home. And it said then his opening desire after he heard about the death of his friend was some time alone. And it's funny that it's sandwiched between all this ministry. And at the end of it, you could almost feel the, the relief. It says, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Now, the story says this started off in the afternoon. It says night fell while he was there alone. And he stayed there for a while. And it made me start thinking that it, Jesus recognized the importance of taking time away from everyone that was pulling on him. He put the disciples on the boat. He sent the crowd away. Maybe he was exhausted. Maybe he was grieving. But either way, Jesus recognized that he had reached his limit. And it makes me ask a simple question. If Jesus had limits, why don't we? If Jesus, the living son of God, had limits and acknowledged when he reached them, why don't we? So we're going to talk about that today. And in this passage, we're going to deal with the three areas I believe we have to be willing to set limits if we desire to have continued long-term success in the areas of our calling. I don't want you to just be a flash in the pan that shines as a bright light for two or three weeks, two or three months, two or three years, and then burns yourself out, never to be used by God again. I've seen it. It happened to me. And it took me nearly 10 years to get back to where I was. I don't want to see that happen to you. And it's because I didn't have limits. Bishop asked us to speak on some of the emotionally unhealthy things that people do. Living without limits is one of the worst. So there's three areas. I'm going to need you to start putting some limits on. So the media team is going to help me out. I have some of my favorite movies. Some of my favorites. Now I had to do some creative editing because some of my favorite movies got some parts I couldn't show y'all, okay? So uh, I'm going to ask the media team, let's go ahead and show that first video real quick. Some of you will recognize this. What about my books? What you want to talk about? Now, if you have any other problems with your royalties and my books, my office hours are from. My office hours are from. Sometimes you gotta be like Big Red. <laughs> I'm gonna tell y'all the truth right now. Sometimes you gotta put limits on your time. Now, I ain't saying you gotta hold folks over the balcony to prove the point. But what I find comical in the movie, the movie The Five Heartbeats, Big Red, before this scene, was literally standing in the hallway telling bad jokes. <laughs> Terrible jokes. 
My man walked up. He wanted to talk about his books and his royalties and his mind. You're available. You're not doing nothing important. And Big Red was polite the first time. Hey, my office hours from 9 to 5, we can talk about your books and your royalties on Monday between those hours. He didn't want to listen. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because you have to schedule time. And you got to be honest about it. Because anytime you do not guard, other people will take. I'm going to repeat that again. Some of y'all need to tweet that today. Anytime you do not guard, other people will take. I schedule free time. Schedule it. Happy about it. My wife, I let her know, hey, if you need me to babysit, you got stuff to do, and I'm typically, my schedule is all over. I might be anywhere in Milwaukee at any given time. Hey, just schedule me. Put it on my calendar. Send me an invite. Babysitting from 12 to 2, Tuesday afternoon. I hit accept. I got you. Pastor Jay, are you available on Tuesday at 12? I'm available, but I do not have a time. Because there's a difference. Availability is very different than having the time. And some of us really get that mistaken. And we're running from thing to thing to thing, and we never learn how to say no. I can't do that. I'm not available for that. Well, what, you, what are you going to be doing? I might be sitting at home watching Netflix with my wife. I might be sitting here in Teresa's office talking about you. Either way, I'm not available. My time is valuable. Your time is valuable. And you have to guard it and put it in blocks because what happens so many, for so many of us, from, especially from a ministry standpoint, ministry never stops. There's always something you could be doing. There's always somebody that needs help. There's always somebody that could be calling. There's always somebody that could be doing things. There's always emails, text messages, meetings. There's always something going on. And we have to be the ones to put our phones down and actually be present with our thoughts. Be present with our feelings. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I so frustrated with everybody? Why am I so angry all the time? Be present with our family. Your family typically is the ones that miss out. You take so much time taking care of everybody else. Now you get home, you're tired, you don't want to talk to your wife, your husband, you don't want to deal with your kids, but you've been dealing with everybody else all day long. And the people who deserve you the most get the least of you. Amen. So I'm going to help you out. I'm going to show you what I do. I got myself an MPT. Bought it, put it in my house. MPT, when you get into MPT, you can't even, y'all don't even know what the MPT is. That's the magical princess tent. <laughs> this is one of the things that I do, and I am, do not have the time. See, in the Magical Princess tent, you can't get emails in the MPT. Text messages don't work in the MPT. You're not accepting phone calls in the MPT. It's a magical place that my daughter grabbed my finger and dragged me into every night. Now that she can talk, it's worse. 
She don't call me daddy. She calls me D-Dad. Don't know why she switched it around. D-Dad, D-Dad. It takes me five minutes to climb into this thing, okay? I ain't as young as I used to be. And it's going to take me 10 to get out. So when we get in, we staying for a while, okay? Now, in the MPT, we are fighting for our lives. We are running from dragons. We try not to get eaten by imaginary monsters. We are writing SOS notes on our little magical spheres we have here, and we are throwing them out to mommy to see if she'll come save us. So when people call my phone, and they be like, Pastor Jay, you don't never answer your phone. No, I don't. It's my phone. I never understood this. It's my phone. You called my number. I'm fighting dragons. In my mind, that's much more important than whatever you're dealing with. Why? Because spending this type of time is going to bring benefits to her life. This is the, the crazy foolishness she's going to remember when I'm long dead and gone. And what I had to do is start putting limits on my time. I had a conversation with Teresa, and I was like, hey, I, I got to do a better job of finding balance because I was really imbalanced here. My daughter showed up, and it really started showing the imbalance, not just with her, but with my wife. You know what? My office hours are from 9 to 5. You can send me an email at 6.30 if you want to. You can send me a text message. You can send me a pigeon. One of them turkeys can show up and knock on my door. My office hours are from 9 to 5. And I'm going to give you 110% of J English between them hours on Sunday through Thursday. But when Friday and Saturday hit, I said, don't do it. <laughs> so I'm here to tell you, number one, set limits on your time. The time you don't guard, other people will take. We got another video for you. Let's go to video number two and see what else we need to put limits on. Would someone turn it up for me, please? Jazz, crank it up for me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, listen. Listen, darling. Listen to the violins. Beautiful. Oh. The oboes will be coming next. <laughs> You ever been in your zone, you feeling good about life? You done accomplished a whole lot that day. You sitting in your favorite seat. Life is good. You are literally listening for the violins to come in. And somebody show up and wreck your whole day. We got to start putting limits on people. We have to start putting limits on people. Somebody clapping, they got somebody they're going to put a limit on immediately after service. <laughs> Told y'all somebody about to be upset at me after church. I apologize, but I didn't really mean it, y'all. I'm going to be honest. I don't feel bad for nobody. Put some limits on some people. The reality is, every, not every time, 
Some of you can relate to this. Your phone rings. You pick it up. And you see the name. And you say, not today. <laughs> no. <laughs> not answering that one. <laughs> now, it's different. You know, some of us ignore calls because we don't recognize the number. Like, you know, I understand that. But it's different. When you see the name, you're like, nope. Nope. You ain't about to mess my day up. I already know. This is a 45-minute conversation. You're going to ask me for some money that I don't want to give you, a ride to a place I don't want to take you, or to do something that I don't feel like doing right now. You are not calling to check on me. You're not calling to see how my wife is doing. This is a need. You want something from me, and I'm not falling for it. We got to put some limits on people. And y'all know I'm not lying. Sometimes you have to limit people's access to you for a season. I'm not saying I don't love you. I do love you. I'm limiting your access to me for my peace. See, here's a weird thing about peace. Peace is always on the run. It's always trying to get away from me. I'm constantly chasing my peace down. Hey, come here, peace. I set peace right here, and the next thing I know, it's... And then I, I go grab peace, and it's... Peace is constantly trying to get away from me, so I got to hold on to it. And there are some people that will destroy your peace. Here's the crazy part. You know who they are. You know who they are. It's never folks that you don't know. Because people you don't know, you typically don't care. It's rare for somebody just off the street to steal my peace from me. Real rare. You just walk up and do something crazy. I don't know you. If you're crazy, you're crazy. That's okay. You cuss me out and I don't know you. I don't really care. Your words don't mean much. It's my friends, my family, the people that are close to me, that have access to me. They can steal my peace. So I had to learn to start protecting it. Start guarding my peace the way I started guarding my time. And understanding that peace is something that must be intentionally protected. Intentionally. Folks might make you mad. My advice, forgive them and let them go. Now, letting them go in forgiveness does not have to mean you got to let them back in your house. We as Christians get this forgiveness thing really messed up. Let me give you an example. Elder Kenwine, I'm going to use you for, for an example because you wouldn't do this to me. But if you did, I'm going to tell you what would happen, okay? So if Elder Kenwan got invited to my house for Thanksgiving, he comes and hangs out, and I find out Elder Kenwan stole every piece of silverware in my house while he was there. <laughs> Could I forgive him? Yes, absolutely. He comes up to me and says, Pastor Jay, I'm, I'm sorry. I stole all your silverware. I don't even know what came over me. Like, the devil made me do it. I apologize. He returns all the silverware. He makes it right. I love him. I will forgive you. He's not coming back for Christmas. <laughs> I will see you here at the church. I will love you. I will hug you. We'll still talk and laugh about basketball. You ain't coming back to my house, though. Does that make sense? You know, I really want to try to bring this to the natural as best I can. I forgive you, but I don't trust you. Forgiveness and trust are two different roads. 
And there are things that we live with that destroy us internally. Some of us have been abused emotionally, physically, sexually in our past. And you're holding on to these things. You got to forgive. And you got to let it go. However, if you abused me as a child and I forgive you, that don't mean I'm letting my daughter come play at your house next Saturday. Well, I don't feel right. You don't even let my daughter, you don't even let her come over. No, I ain't letting her come over. I'm not coming over. And then folks got the nerve to try to manipulate you. Well, that ain't Christian. No, what wouldn't have been Christian would have been going upside your head like I wanted to. That wouldn't have been Christian. <laughs> Forgiveness, I can do. Trust has to be re-earned. Trust is a process. And we may never get back to the place of trust, depending on what you're asking me to trust you with. Does that make sense? Amen. So we want to put limits on time. Y'all repeat it. Limits on time. Limits on people. Amen. Y'all going to get up out of here and it's going to be some stuff changing. Amen. I've got a third video. I told you I wasn't going to be in front of you long. This is going to be one of them quick hitters today. I got a third video I want to show you, and we're going to talk about the third thing we've got to put limits on. Let's go ahead and run the third video. I've heard the flight attendant say this before. Secure your own mask before helping others. But why? Why do they say that? Is the 30 seconds it takes to put on a kid's mask next to me really that important? And after I noticed the effects of hypoxia, I've asked if I could delay for about one minute so we can better understand the physiological effects of not immediately putting your mask on. So we're going to start this hypoxia demonstration. Whoever has the toy, if you want to use that for me. So what I'd like for you to do is to pick up a, a piece Hold it up, show everybody, and tell me what shape it is. It's a triangle. All right, so you're going to put it inside the box? Good. Okay, next piece. Another triangle. Another triangle. Circle. So you know it's a cylinder. It's a cylinder. Cross. Across. Square. Square. That's another cube. This is a cylinder. Can we try the, uh, the shape box one more time just to compare a difference between when you were just starting your demonstration versus right now? We can tell you're really starting to feel the effects of hypoxia. What is that? Square. limits on is ourselves. 
he made an incredible statement. Put your mask on first. You got to take care of you. All the work you're doing, all the love you're sharing, all the people whose lives are affected, doesn't mean a thing if you're not here. This gentleman did an experiment to show what happens if a loving mother refuses to put her mask on first while she's trying to help her child in a crisis situation on an airplane that's suddenly lost pressure in the cabin. They said at the, the height that airplanes fly, which is about 45,000 feet, if you lose pressure and you no longer have oxygen at a height of that, you've got about 10 to 15 seconds before you pass out. The time it would take you to put your child's mask on, you would pass out before you completed it, killing both yourself and your child. You gotta put your mask on first. People look at it so wrong and they say, well, that's being selfish. You know what's being selfish? Dying at 38 when I got a daughter who's two. Especially for things that are preventable. And we as a people are terrible with doctors. And I understand some of the reasons why. We've been lied to. We've had doctors and pharmaceutical companies and some of everything take advantage of us. Healthcare don't always work in our favor. I understand. You better find you at least one doctor you can trust. I am 38 years old, and it's scary to me because at 16, 38 is ancient. <laughs> 38, I don't feel old. I'm like, I ain't old. Then I go hang with a 16-year-old, and they be like, Pastor Jay, you like that old school music, huh? Wait, that's the 90s. That's not, oh, Jesus, all 30 years ago. I almost put some kids out my car. I like listening to 98.3 because they play all the 90s stuff. Oh, Pastor Jay, this that old school. You don't get out my car talking about some. <laughs> what I realized, though, is that at 38, at least for me, I have my own personal things that I look at and say, okay, by the age of 40, I'm, I'm going to start going and getting tested for prostate cancer. Well, you don't have to start at 40, do you? Hey, you know what? Both my dad and my mom had cancer. I'm technically high risk. Now, I'm not speaking that into my life. But what I am saying is that I'm going to go find out. Why? Because early prevention. Best case, I have nothing and I feel good about it. Worst case, I found out early and I feel great about it. Because now we can do something about it instead of finding out when I got stage four. And now I'm trying to figure out who's going to take care of my wife, who's going to take care of my daughter. I'm going to start putting my mask on first. Because I need to be here to take care of them. There's more I want to do. There's more I want to accomplish. I owe that to this church. I owe that to Bishop Harvey. I owe that to the youth that I work with. I owe that to the leaders that God has blessed me with. I got to take care of me.
Some of you get mad because you want to go eat everything you want to eat. And the doctor tell you, if you want to stay here a little longer, take these two blood pressure pills and quit eating all the fried chicken you can find. Well, I ain't going to claim that. What's that got to do with claiming? You already got it. Like, I don't understand how we think, y'all, okay? No, I ain't claiming that. I ain't speaking that. No, it's already there. It's already a problem. <laughs> you didn't go find high blood pressure. It found you, okay? Now that you have it, here's the reality of the situation. Here's how you can change the situation. If you don't want high blood pressure, here's the steps you can take. Put your mask on first. Change your diet. God forbid, exercise. I know that's like a cuss word to us now. Exercise. Man, look, I got a car to come pick me up by itself. I need to exercise. We don't do nothing. I'm, look, I, I'm laughing at myself because I know I got real lazy over the years. Like, ride a bike for what? <laughs> that's what cars is for. <laughs> Walk. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Because it's good for your heart. And I got news for you. Your heart give up on you. It don't matter what else hurt. I got some other stuff I can afford to hurt. I do some exercise. My hamstrings. Y'all, let me tell you. Okay, I'm going to tell myself a little bit. Don't tell the youth this, okay? I messed around three weeks ago. And I decided I was going to throw this football with these kids, okay, for like 20 minutes. And I'm, you know, having flashbacks to high school. You know, I'm catching the ball. I'm showing them little routes. You know, I'm throwing the thing, you know, being a little QB. When I tell you I woke up the next day, and my mind couldn't understand, I was like, oh, my God. My back was hurting so bad. My underarm was killing me. My neck, like I had this thing in my neck, and I kept looking at my wife saying, I don't know, the bed just like messed me up. I can't, I can't get right, like it's hurting. I don't know what to do. Like, and I'm blaming the bed, I'm blaming the couch, and I swear it had to be Jesus. He was like, my son, <laughs> you remember that football last night? All I did was throw it, Lord, that's all I did. <laughs> but I tell y'all, I hurt for a week. Because I used some muscles I realized I hadn't used in probably... I don't know, 14, 15 years. I need to start putting my mask on first. I got some goals. I got some things I want to accomplish. I want to be here for a while. I need some energy. I need my body not to fall apart on me when I just want to throw a football for 15 minutes. My daughter is getting older. Play is real easy right now. The hardest thing I do is literally climb into that tent. And when I tell y'all, it's hard. I'm, look, that is the hardest thing I do every night. <laughs> As she gets older, she's going to do other stuff. And I want to be there. I want to do it with her. If she wants to play basketball, I want to play with her. If she wants to play soccer because she got the little Hispanic side, I don't know. She might want that. <laughs> I'm going. Baby, whatever you want to do. I want to take care of us. 
I want to be here to see her. I want to, I want to walk her down the aisle. I want to be at her parent-teacher meetings. I want to be a part of her life. So I've got to put my mask on first. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work. God wasn't tired. He didn't create all this stuff and suddenly get sleepy. I need a nap. He was giving us a blueprint. Rest. <laughs> Take some time off. Shut it down for a day. He's showing us if God in his infinite power says, I rest. Why don't we? If Jesus, with all the incredible things that he did, said, I have limits, why don't we? Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services workshops, and encounters. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.